0: Well, that's just about enough to get a Canadian excited. That's fantastic. That's really good. Thank the Lord for that. He is an almighty, unchangeable God. And uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you, Pastor Woolard, for the opportunity to come and, and, uh, and preach. It's great to see my daughter, and uh, I promised her ever since she came down here that we would come and visit her. And while my wife has made it down, and I think my, my daughter had come and so on, I hadn't really come down to see her, and so we were able to arrange this weekend. And it's great to be able to do that. Now I will say that um, Canadians tend to be very reserved. For if I brought most of my church down here and they saw Pastor John up here, like right from the beginning of the service, their eyes would just be all big like this. They wouldn't know what was going on. And uh in you know, I am Canadian, so I think I can speak freely in this way that you know if if in church, if a Canadian's really with you, you know, they they Their mouth might kind of smile just a little bit. And if they're really, really with you, you'll get a little nod. uh, But I know that's not what this church is. So you feel free to to be yourself here tonight. And and we'll just have a good time together. I am glad that God is the same God, whether you're here in Martinsburg, West Virginia, or in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. God is still in the business of saving people and changing lives. And I'm thankful for that. it was great to see a man baptized this morning. We had just a couple weeks ago a young man baptized in our church that was just a few months ago saved out of the occult. And what a blessing it was to see him get baptized just a couple weeks ago and gave testimony in our afternoon service even about God saving him. And what a wonderful thing that is to know that God is saving people. And it doesn't matter what side of the border you're on. God is saving people, and we're so thankful for that. It is such a privilege for me to be here, and, and I want to thank you. Many of you have invested in my daughter, in, in Leanne, and I'm very thankful uh, for your investment in her. And uh, I know she has been uh, helped and enhanced and enriched in her life by having been here, and, and we're thankful for uh, your investment in her life. And, uh, and so, And again, I'm very thankful to be here tonight. Now, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number one. And, you know, it's vitally important that our doctrine, our uh, theology, if you will, come from the word of God. Uh, I was talking to some of Miss Pennell's students this morning after church and was really impressed that I should probably tell a story or two about her uh, this evening. And uh, and so I'll, I'll start with one here back when when leanne was younger we were having our family devotions in the evening a great thing for families to do by the way and we were talking about the story of jonah and so in this as we went through we were you know i would ask some questions and so on and we got to the point where uh, you know, Jonah had disobeyed God and he, he had gone the other way and he was on the ship fleeing to Tarshish and, and the, the ship was going to sink and the, the sailors finally found out it was Jonah's fault uh, as to, to why uh, this storm was there. And, uh, and so he said, What happened next? And Leanne said, He had to walk the plank. <laughs> said, He had to what? Well, he had to walk the plank. I said, well, well no, they, they threw him overboard. Uh, no, Dad, he walked the plank. Well, Leanne, where did you hear that? I didn't think that was how she heard it in Sunday school. And I uh, said, uh, on VeggieTales, Dad, on <laughs> VeggieTales. And so while it's great to have some things like VeggieTales, maybe where you can learn some stuff, we probably shouldn't get our theology from VeggieTales. And so we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to go to the Word of God and get what we can from God's Word Uh, This evening, and I hope it'll be uh, a a help to you. Joshua chapter number 1, and we're going to read the first nine verses this evening. Joshua chapter 1, and starting in uh, verse number 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give them even uh, to the children of Israel every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon even unto the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers, uh, their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not away from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this time that we can meet together this evening. I thank you for this great church that you have raised up here in this place. And for the the people that have come this evening to worship you, to gather around your word and hear your word preached. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word to speak to our hearts this evening. I pray that you would fill me with your power. Give me the words to say, I pray, uh, as I preach. And Lord, may each one of us just uh, do our best to put distractions aside. And just focus in on what you would have for us in these moments together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure that many, if not all of us here tonight, have fears of some sort. If we were to go around the room, I'm sure there'd be a lot of different fears that many of you would say, or some of you would say you would have, if you were to be honest about the fears that you have. Some are afraid of the dark, that's uh, nyclophobia. Some are afraid of water, hydrophobia. Some are afraid of monsters under the bed. I don't know what the official term is for that. Uh, some are afraid of dying. Some are afraid of living. Many are afraid of failure, so they never really attempt anything. Some are afraid of heights, acrophobia. Some are afraid of their teacher. Maybe some in Ms. Pennell's class are afraid of her, I'm not sure. Uh, some are afraid of confined spaces, claustrophobia. But there's a lot of different fears that we have. A number of years ago, my in-laws were visiting, as Pastor Woolard's are right now. They were visiting, and and, uh, my father-in-law took um, myself and my children to Canada's Wonderland. That would be like Six Flags, all right? And it's only about 35 or 40 minutes from our house uh, towards Toronto. And so we went to Canada's Wonderland. There's big roller coasters, all sorts of great stuff there. And so we went there, and and we waited in line for one particular ride. that was one of the newer rides. Now, on this particular ride, you had uh, two people face forward in the cart and two people face the other way uh, in the cart. And it wasn't a he- real high roller coaster, but it was one that was kind of interactive, and you shot stuff, uh, you know, with your laser beams and, and you know, that kind of thing. But part of the roller coaster was outside, kind of uh, through a mountain, and then you kind of went up a little farther. And while we're on this ride, after waiting a long time, uh, we get to the outside portion, and we're going up the uh, the track, And all of a sudden, the cart stopped right near the apex, right near the top. And naturally, uh, I was on the seat that was facing this way. (laughs) And so I was stopped in this position for quite a while. Uh, Leanne and uh, uh, my other, and Esther, I think, were on kind of behind us, and they were just kind of, you know, chilling kind of this way. And it got to, we were there for quite a while. It was starting to get, you know, to where are we ever going to get going from this thing? People down below are like, hey, you guys okay up there? Yeah, we are. Thank you. Thank We're doing great. And uh, I could sense that, you know, my daughters were getting a little scared and fearful. And so I was, you know, trying to crack some jokes, trying to keep it light for them and so on. But that could be a fearful type of situation. A fearful thing. What I'm saying here tonight is that, that we all have Fears. By the way, we did eventually get going again. We're not still stuck on the ride. Uh, we did get going again, and, and uh, I was able to talk to somebody, and we got you know some food vouchers and a free entrance to the park another day and all sorts of stuff out of it, so it worked out okay. But, uh, but, but fears. We have a lot of different fears. I Googled. Good thing you You can always get lots of good information from Google. You can rely on it all the time. But I Googled a list of phobias, And came across a list of the most common fears. not not an exhaustive list of all fears, but the most common fears. And of that, I counted about 125 phobias or fears that were just the most common fears. Now, I think my favorite one was this one. Hippopotamonstrosasquepetalophobia, or something like that. Does anyone know what that word is? I know I probably butchered it. It's the fear of long words. It's a real thing. It's about this long. Anyways, um, but here's something I want all of us to realize here tonight. Fear, as in a phobia, that kind of fear does not come from God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love And of a sound mind. So that kind of fear, that phobia kind of fear does not come from God. Not only that, God repeatedly tells us in His Word over and over again fear not, or do not fear, or don't be afraid. We see this over and over again in the Word of God. It's almost like God wants us to get the point that we're not supposed to live in fear, we're not supposed to be afraid, we don't need to fear. Now, I believe that the reason that God so often tells us not to fear is because it's such a natural human reaction to so many different situations, isn't it? To fear. It almost becomes our go-to reaction based on different situations that we face. But realizing that God tells us not to be afraid and actually not being afraid can be two different things, can't it? We, we might know in our head that we're not supposed to be afraid and we know in our head that God has told us many times to fear not and yet applying that can be a much different thing. For some here tonight, your fears that you have might be pretty minimal and they rarely impact your life. And for others, the fears that you face are, are debilitating to where you can almost not function on a daily basis and maybe some days can't even get out of your, out of bed or out of your home because of the fears that are overwhelming you. And for many others, you just fall somewhere in between. But with all of that in mind, let's be reminded again that God tells us many times through His Word things like, Fear not. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. You have fears. I have fears. But yet we're told by God not to fear. If God reportedly tells us that we are not to fear or that we are not to be afraid, There must be some legitimate reasons why he tells us that. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, if God says, don't fear, there must be some good reasons why we're not supposed to fear. So as we get into the message tonight, we understand we all have fears we face from time to time, or maybe often. And having fears is a natural human reaction. But God has told us over and over not to fear. So I want to get into our text tonight. And I want us to see one reason that we don't need to fear according to God. First, we're going to look at the story, get a little bit of the context, if you will, of the command to not be afraid. And then we're going to see from this passage the reason why God tells us not to be afraid. So the first thing that we actually see in, in point number one here tonight is this, reasons to fear. Say, well, Pastor Brett, that's what they call me, Pastor Brett. Pastor Brett, that's... Uh, seems like kind of a strange first point in a message about not fearing, telling us some reasons to fear. But that's what we see here at the beginning of the book. Look again at verses 1 and 2. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. To give you a little bit of context to what has happened leading up to the start of this book, the book of Joshua. Again, I know many of you are familiar with this, but let's just review. The children of Israel had been slaves in the land of Egypt. And through a miraculous set of events, the plagues and so on in Egypt, God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt towards the promised land. We, We have the amazing story of them coming to the edge of the Red Sea and God parting the waters of the Red Sea and the children of Israel walking across on dry ground. And then, of course, the waters closing back in and destroying the army of Pharaoh. We see the children of Israel getting to the, to the brink, right to the edge of the promised land, and then sending spies out to go into the land, to see the land and what type of land it was. And ten of those spies come back and they give a report to the people that brings them fear. It says that the people are giants, the cities are walled, and there's no way that they can take the land. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, give a great report. They say, yes, the, 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 the cities are walled, and yes, there are giants there, but God has said that He'll give us the land. We don't need to be afraid. Let's fix this. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to, to worry about it. God has made a promise, and we can just go forward in His promise. But ultimately, the people don't take God at His word. They don't go into the land of uh, uh, the promised land. And this lack of faith, This disobedience to God would lead to the next 40 years of a time when the children of Israel would just be in the wilderness. All of the people aged 20 and up from at that point in time would die over the next 40 years in the wilderness. Pastor Woolard touched on that this morning in his message. Moses was the leader of the people during that entire time. And through that time, even in the wilderness, God would do some miraculous things. He would provide uh, food in the, in the form of manna. He even brought them quail for meat to eat. He provided water from a rock. He provided healing from serpent bites. And, and on and on we could go about some of the miraculous things that were done even during those 40 years. And at the end of the 40 years, the children of Israel returned back to the brink of the promised land, ready to go in, and Moses died. And that's where the story picks up here in Joshua chapter number 1. And in the first verse and a half, I see three things that we're told has happened that would ultimately, I believe, be, humanly speaking, reasons to fear. Moses had died. Joshua was being thrust into the role as the leader of the people. And the people were heading into unknown battles in an unknown land. All of these would be reasons to fear, both for the children of Israel as a whole and for Joshua himself. I mean, think about it. Moses had died. He was the one that God had used to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was the one that God had had worked through uh, to bring the plagues and to part the waters of the Red Sea and to provide uh, food and and water and so on for the children of Israel through those times in in the wilderness. And now he was gone. This would be a fearful thing for the children of Israel. But this would be a fearful thing for Joshua as well. Joshua had served under Moses. He was Moses' minister. He served Moses. And now this person that he served, this person that was his mentor, this person that he respected, this person that was his confidant, was gone. It would be a fearful thing for him. The second thing I mentioned that we see in the Scripture about this reason to fear was that Joshua himself was now being tapped on the shoulder by God to be the one to lead the people. Again, I would suggest that this would be a fearful thing for both the people and Joshua. You know, there's a certain comfort in knowing what you're getting from a leader. Moses had been the leader for 40 years. A change in leadership can be a fearful thing. And I think you understand that. I mean, you went through that within the last year or year and a half. It can be a fearful thing. We see fear in Leadership used often as a tact in politics. I I do keep up some with U.S. politics and, of course, in Canadian politics. And I know that around election time, one of the tactics that is often used is fear. It's kind of the, well, you you may not like us, but the other side is you don't even know what you're going to get with them. So you need to be afraid of that unknown. Fear the unknown. Fear, it's a tactic used in politics all the time. So the people would naturally have some fear. But Joshua would have reason to fear as well, being thrust into this leadership position. Would God work through him the same way that God had worked through Moses? And so you can imagine maybe the fears that Joshua would would be facing at this time. And then I said as well, there there would be fear because the people were heading into unknown battles in in an unknown land. And that too is fearful. These weren't trained soldiers that would be going into battle. These were people that had been slaves. These were people that had been wandering in the wilderness. They didn't know the terrain. They'd never seen the land. And again, I would say the unknown is a fearful thing. And these unknowns could have and likely would have been fearful things for both Joshua and the people. Fear. Fear. And these individuals had reasons to fear. Now, before we move on, let me suggest to you, while God has told us and given us many uh, commands about not fearing, I would suggest to you that if, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior tonight, you do have reason to fear. Because there is a real place called hell, where real people will suffer in real flames for all of eternity. That's not a, a fun topic to discuss. It's not a thing that, that is just fun to think about, but it's a reality. And the reality is that, that that is a fearful place. But the great news is that you don't have to go there. You don't have to spend an eternity there because Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross some 2,000 years ago, paying sin's penalty for you and for me. And if we would, by faith, put, put our trust in him and him alone, we can be saved. We can have the gift of salvation. We, we don't have to pay sin's penalty on our own. We can trust the payment that Jesus made on our behalf. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior tonight, I would suggest that you do have reason to fear when it comes to death. But for believers, you don't, we don't need to fear. And if you are one that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as uh, Pastor Wooler has already mentioned tonight, tonight you can get that settled. Tonight is, can be the night that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we've seen, I think in our text laid before us, some reasons to fear. And in this message about not fearing, we see that Joshua and the people had multiple reasons, humanly speaking, to fear. But next I want for us to see a reiterated promise. Not just some reasons to fear, but we see a reiterated promise. Look at verses 2 to 5 again. The verse starts with Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I love this. I love what we see here. When faced with multiple reasons to fear, God immediately reminds Joshua of his promises. Joshua knew the promises of God to Moses. I mean, Joshua would have, would have maybe even heard some of the times where God gave Moses this promise and Moses would have reiterated to, to Joshua many times. Hey, we need to keep moving forward because God has promised this. And, and, and yet as Joshua now faces this fear, as Moses is gone and as he's being tapped on the shoulder to lead the people and there's all this fear of the unknown. God simply takes Joshua back to his promises and reiterates and re- his promises and reminds Joshua of those promises. Again, Joshua knew those promises. Joshua had even seen the land as one of the 12 spies that went into the land some 40 years before. So he was well aware of the promise. But here, God draws him back to his word, draws him back to his promises. And he does this, I believe, to encourage Joshua in the face of these fears that he was facing. What does God tell Joshua in these verses? He acknowledges that Moses is dead. But despite that, he tells Joshua that he wants him to get up and go over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. He tells Joshua he's going to give him and the people of Israel the land. And everywhere the sole of your foot touches, he says, that's part of what I'm going to give to you. No one's going to be able to stand against you, he says in verse number 5. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And notice what he says at the end of verse 5. He says, I will not fail you or forsake you. He reminds Joshua that the basis for his faith that he should have is in him, not in Joshua's strength, not in Joshua's ability to come up with a great game plan or a battle plan against the enemies that they might face. God says, your faith is in me. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Now, if we were to look back at the life of Moses, God made a promise to him that sounds a lot like the promise that he made Joshua here. You don't need to turn there, but Deuteronomy 11, verses 24 and 25 says this. But think about what I'm about to read with what we've just read in Joshua in mind. And here's what God told Moses in Deuteronomy 11. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even under the uttermost sea shall, be, shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, As he hath said unto you. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? It's exactly what God told Joshua here in our text. God reiterated his promise to Joshua that he had given to Moses. Yes, Moses was dead. But the promises of God were still very much alive. And they were there to claim for Joshua, just as they were for Moses. And I was as I was thinking about this passage this week as it relates to this concept of fear, I was reminded that just as the promises of God were good for Joshua when he faced fear, so they are good for you and for me when we face fears as well. Again, fear is a very natural thing in our lives. And in certain circumstances, fear is more likely to rear its head. And God knew that, and he, I think, recognized that Joshua had many reasons to fear. And so what did God do? He simply reminded Joshua of his promises. Can I remind you this evening of the promises of God? The Word of God is full of God's promises for us to claim. This book is full, full of promises for you and for me. And just as they were promises that were good for the people that were alive at this time, these promises are good for you and for me as well. And I understand that they may have been written at a specific time to a specific person or to a specific group of people, but God had them recorded in His Word for a reason, because there are things for us to claim as it relates to His promises as well. Notice what God says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him amen, under the glory of God by us. God's promises are claimable by us today. There's always a part of that promise that is something that we need to do. God, when God gives a promise, there's something contingent upon our doing something. And there was, this wasn't different for Joshua. God makes the promise, but he says, You need to get up and go across the Jordan River and get into the land, and then I'm going to fulfill my promise. So Joshua here had to obey in order for the, the promise to be claimed. He had to obey even though it was going to be hard, even though there was probably going to be complaining, even though it was in the face of the unknown, even though there was all of these different things he was facing. If Joshua would simply do what he was supposed to do, God would follow through with his promises. What promise of God do you need to claim today? Get into the Word of God. See the promises of God. Claim the promise that you need. Fulfill the prerequisite for your part of the promise. What fear are you facing in your life that is overtaking you? Can I encourage you tonight? Refocus on the Word of God. Remind yourself of the promises of God. This is what God did for Joshua when he faced fears. And the best way for you to remind yourself of the promises of God is to get into the Word of God. And get into the Word of God... Every day, When speaking of the compassions of our great God, Jeremiah said this in Lamentations 3.23, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. How can you be reminded of his new compassions every morning? By getting into his book every morning. How can you find the promise that you need for today? Get in the word of God Today it will amaze you how you will find that God will give you exactly what you need for today if you'll just get into the book today. Or God will give you something today that you're going to need for tomorrow. God is going to give you something tomorrow you need for that day. What I'm saying is that if you'll get into the Word of God, God is going to give you the promise, the strength, the sustenance that you need. When fear is staring you in the face, get in the Word of God. And let God reiterate his promises to you. That's exactly what God did for Joshua. And that's what he's going to do for us as well. As we continue in this passage, we not only see some reasons that Joshua had that would cause him fear, we not only see God reiterate his promises to Joshua, but next we see God's recipe for success. And we see this in verses 6 to 8. In verses 6 and 7, we see God trying to encourage Joshua to be strong and courageous. Why did he need to do this? Because this was going to be hard. This was going to be difficult. But if he would be courageous enough to just trust God, God would work it out all for good. Courageous. Be strong and be courageous. I heard someone say one time, Courage is not the absence of fear. It's responding in spite of your fear. Or courage is not the absence of fear. It's recognizing that something else is more important than your fear. And folks, we have something that's more important than our fear. And that is doing what God wants for us to do. Following his word, following his will. And God can bring the victory. And he's challenging Joshua to have faith in him. He tells Joshua not to get sidetracked again there in verses 6 and 7 as well. Which is a great reminder for us as well not to get sidetracked. It's, It's easy. There's a lot of distractions today. There's a lot of things that if we're not careful, we can go to the to the left hand or to the right hand and, and start following all sorts of different things. But God says, don't get sidetracked. And then God, God goes on to give us the great recipe for success in verse number eight. And we don't have a lot of time to spend on it tonight. Really, this verse is a message in and of itself. And you've probably heard multiple messages from this pulpit, from that verse uh, before. Well, let's quickly just look at it because it's so important for us today. We've already touched on parts of this, but... But let's look at this verse, this recipe for success. It starts with the Word of God in verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. If the book of the law, the Word of God, if it's not going to depart out of our mouth, it needs to be in our heart. And if it's going to be in our heart, it needs to constantly be being brought into our thoughts and into our mind. And if that's going to happen, it's going to require us spending time in it, We must spend time in the Word of God. Rather than spending time filling our minds with the garbage of this world, let's spend some time filling our minds with the truths of the Word of God, with the promises of the Word of God. That's the first ingredient, the first step of this recipe. It starts with the Word of God. The next thing is that we need to meditate on the Word. Again, the next part of the verse, meditate therein day and night. If we're going to meditate or ponder or think on the Word of God day and night, We can't only pick up our Bible and grab it when we're walking out the door on Sunday to go to church. We need to be in the Word of God each morning, each day. As we go through the day, think about it. Meditate about what you've read. Uh, Consider it even before you go to bed at night. Uh, Good podcasts and music will help you with that, by the way. If you need some recommendations on on that, I'm sure your pastor can give you some. But meditate on the Word of God. And then we're to do what the Bible says. Obedience. The next part of that verse, observe to do according to all that's written therein. It's one thing to know what the Bible says, it's another thing to actually do it. And that's what God says here. Do what is written in the book of the law, in the Bible. And the end result is good success in the eyes of God. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's pretty clear, good success in the eyes of God comes from following that recipe. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be a success in the eyes of the world. I I do want to put that out there. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have uh, thousands of dollars in the bank, but it does mean you'll be a success in God's eyes, which is far more important anyways. Now, let's remember the context of all of this. Joshua is mourning the death of his mentor, the leader of the people. He's he's confronted with many things that would be natural things for him to, to cause fear in his life. And God reiterates to Joshua that these promises that he gave to Moses are promises that apply to him as well. But in this, he would need to be strong, he would need to be courageous, and he'd need to follow the recipe. And God closes out this interaction with Joshua by very clearly giving him, and this is the final point this evening, a reason not to fear. A reason not to fear. And let's look at verse number 9 again. Have not I commanded thee, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God has already recognized that Joshua is in a situation where he naturally is probably going to fear. He's facing a lot of external things that are going to cause fear uh, in his life. Fears to enter his mind. He's tried to calm those fears with the promises of God. But verse 9 is really the, the main point of what I want us to see tonight. It's taken me a while to get there, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But it is what I want us to see tonight. There are many other reasons given in Scripture for us not to fear. But this one verse gives us a great reason why we don't need to allow fear to overwhelm us. Do you see what God told Joshua in this verse? He said, be not afraid. Why? The Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God says, Joshua, you don't need to be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'm with you now. I'm going to be with you each step of the way. No matter where you go, no matter what battle you may face, no matter what obstacle may be in your path, I am with you. So don't be afraid. Why does God give us so many commands and directives in His Word to fear not or to not be afraid? Because He's with us. We don't need to be afraid. We need to be reminded of the fact that He is with us. We're not alone. God told Joshua in verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And He reminds him again in verse 9 that He was with him. I think that was comforting to Joshua. I think that helped Joshua with the the fears that he may have had. Because if we look at the next couple of verses, and go ahead and look at them in verse 10 and 11, look at what it says. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Joshua immediately trusted God and obeyed. I mean, he immediately took those steps to say, hey, folks, get ready. Get you some, some victuals. Get you some food. Get fed up. Get, get your strength. Get your nourishment. Because three days from now, we're going in. We're going in. And we, as, we go, as, as you read through the book of Joshua, you see that as long as the people were trusting God, God indeed kept his promises over and over and over again. I know that the reality is, that we all face some fears. It's not realistic to say that you're not going to have any thoughts or emotions that bring fears. But what are we doing with those fears? Like Joshua, you may be here tonight and you say, I've got some legitimate reasons for my fear. You don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand what is in my future. You don't understand the obstacles that are in front of me. And that's true. I don't know most of you. But I do know the God that you serve. I do know that God has promised that He will be with you. So again, I ask, what are you doing with those fears? Why not confront those fears that you have with a couple of things? Confront those fears with the promises of God from the Word of God. And confront those fears with the presence of God. Because He's promised to be with you. There's so many verses we can look at that remind us of the fact that God is with us. He said in Matt Jesus said in Matthew twenty eight, twenty, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In Hebrews thirteen five, at the end of the verse, he says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. In Psalm twenty three, four, the great passage about the, the good shepherd, uh he says in verse four, he, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Folks, God has promised you that he will never leave you. And with that confidence, you don't need to fear. Fear does not need to debilitate you. You don't need to let fear stop you from doing what it is that you know God wants for you to do. I don't know what God may have been asking you to do in your life. I don't know if God has, spoke, has been speaking to somebody's heart, maybe some young person's life, for, for weeks or maybe months about surrendering to service, surrendering to be a preacher or a missionary. Maybe God's been working on your heart and there's maybe some fear that's been holding you back. You don't need to fear. God has said, I'll be with you. Maybe like, like you're like Joshua and maybe you say, well, I just don't think I can do it. And maybe as Joshua, as Moses had died and there was a lot of fears that were coming in and there's fears in your life. He you I don't think I could do that. Can I remind you tonight of the promise of God? He said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't need to fear. Maybe there's some here tonight and fear has stopped you from actually getting saved. Fear has stopped you from putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, maybe because people already think you're a Christian. Maybe there's some here that you've been battling with that and you know that you need to be saved. You know that you're not saved, but you're afraid to take that step and walk down the aisle and acknowledge the fact that you need to be saved because of fear of what others might think. Can I say two things to you? One, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. But two, everyone else is going to rejoice with you. Amen. That's what they're going to do. They're going to be thrilled for you that you got that matter settled. And you don't need to be afraid because God's going to be with you each step of the way. You take that first step and God's going to walk with you each step of the way. What is the fear that you're having today. Maybe God has spoken to your heart about getting involved in some aspect of the ministry here to be a bus worker to be a Sunday school teacher to be involved in some other ministry and fear is holding you back you say, I just don't think I could get up in front of people and teach a lesson or, or do whatever. If God is directing you to do it don't let fear stop you from doing it. Face that fear confront that fear with the promises of the word of God and remember that the presence of God is always going to be with you. God is with you. Get in the word of God every day. Remind yourself of the promises of God. That's what God did with Joshua. When Joshua faced fear, he said, Joshua, let me, let me take you back to some promises that I made to Moses. And just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you too. And along the way, follow God's recipe for success, that great verse in Joshua 1.8. And then as we read in our text, be not afraid, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've been able to consider your word and and consider this great passage of Scripture this evening. Lord, a story that maybe is very familiar to many, and yet one that I believe we need to be reminded of often. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us as we face fears which we all face. Help us not to allow those fears to stop us from doing what you want us to do, but rather, Lord, help us to be reminded of the promises of your word, be reminded of the fact that you are with us, and Lord, help us to take the steps that you want us to take, regardless of what they might be, regardless of how fearful we might be to take them. Lord, help us to be willing to take that step. Lord, if there are those here that do not know you tonight as personal Savior. I pray that in just a moment, as the invitation is given, that they would walk down this aisle, talk to one of these pastors or a lady with a lady, and get to know that their sins can be forgiven, that heaven can be their home, that Jesus Christ paid their sins penalty. And they need not fear death, because they know they they can be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that if there is even one here like that, whether it's one that everyone else in the room thinks is already a Christian, or whether it's one that that you're just working on their heart right now, I pray that you would help them to take that step and and trust you as their Savior. And, Lord, for other Christians, those that know you, maybe there's some that you're speaking to their heart about, being involved in a, a, a greater way in the ministry here, Lord, help them to take that step of faith. I pray that if you're speaking to some young man or young lady and calling them into ministry, Lord, I pray that you would help them to take that step and not let fear stop them from doing whatever it is that you want for them to do. Lord, in this invitation time, have your will and your way. Move in hearts as you would see fit. I pray. As the piano begins to play, with heads bowed and eyes closed,